Brockman and welcome to Denver Decides. Denver Decides is a community partnership dedicated to accessible and transparent elections. This partnership includes Interneighborhood Cooperation, the League of Women Voters of Denver, Historic Denver, and is presented by Denver 8 TV. Today we are presenting a runoff candidate forum for the Office of Denver City Council member representing District 5, and District 5 is located in East Central Denver. Coming into the May 7th municipal election, four candidates were on the ballot vying to represent District 5. None of the four were able to garner a clear majority of the votes cast, so a runoff election will now be held on Tuesday, June 4th. The top two vote-getters will face off one more time, and they are here with us this evening. So we want to welcome Mary Beth Sussman and Amanda Swear. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're going to begin with 90-second opening statements, a minute and a half from each candidate, and we'll go in the order the candidates will appear on the June 4th runoff ballot. So we're going to begin with an opening statement from Amanda. Well, thank you, and thanks so much for coming out tonight, everyone. I'm Amanda Sawyer, candidate for Denver City Council District 5. I am honored to have earned almost 41% of the votes in the general election, and was excited to learn that I am only the second city council challenger in recent Denver history to earn more votes than an incumbent. I'm not a career politician, um, but I'm running because I want to be the change we want to see in our community. And to that end, our campaign has pledged not to take contributions from big developers. Just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I've lived in Colorado off and on since 1989. I'm a licensed attorney, although I don't practice, um, so I know how to read and uh, put together ordinances and laws. I also have my MBA, and my professional background is in business strategy and sales, um, so I can also read and manage a budget. I'm a University of Colorado graduate and have three children in DPS schools. You've probably seen my purple signs around town. I'm the candidate with the purple hair, which I always tell people says I might drive a minivan, but I still have my soul. Um, I was inspired to run for city council when I found out about a development going up the street from my house. And when I started asking questions about what this looks like and how and why and what the process looks like, what I discovered is that there's a disconnect between the people who live in our neighborhoods and the people making those decisions. Our voices aren't being heard and I'm running to represent the voice of the community on city council. Thank you. Now an opening statement from Mary Beth. Thank you, good evening. Uh, being a, a military brat, I never had a hometown. So when I came here to graduate school, I realized that I had found my hometown. And taking care of my hometown has been one of the greatest values in my life since. In my last eight years on council, I've been working for three basic principles. Ensuring that residents from all backgrounds have a place to live in the city. That's why I led the buying of property on Colfax for affordable homes and have been working in leading land trusts to keep affordability in our East Denver homes and at Lowry. My number two principle has been to provide transit and other mobility options for the middle of our city. That is why I led the pilot with the chariot to have an on-demand van in the middle of the city. And that is why I also led the charge to create our very first Denver Transportation Department so that we can take ownership of our transportation needs in the middle of the city. 
Thirdly, I've led the support for new, for helping new small businesses. I successfully fought for bonds for the Colfax Mayfair Business Improvement District that was gonna help our small businesses on East Colfax. And I supported the South Holly Project that would provide neighborhood approved middle income housing, another very strong value of mine. If I am honored by District 5 voters I'm to I'm gonna have continue, to stop you right there, our time is right. up. Now we're gonna start the first of our submitted questions for the candidates and you'll each have one minute to answer. We're gonna reverse the order from the opening statements and begin with Mary Beth. Here's your question. What preservation tools will you use to define and protect the character of District 5 neighborhoods? Thank you very much for that question. You know, it's interesting. They are probably never, we're never going to build neighborhoods like ours again with so many wonderful, beautiful single family homes so close to the city. So we need to preserve that which we have um, uh, in Denver. Now I have worked very hard already on preserving our uh, beautiful Cranmer Park, which had been on the national on the state historic uh, list of most endangered places. And I worked quite a bit on keeping much of the history of Lowry. So working on preservation in our neighborhood is something very important to me. We also work to preserve the nursing dorm on uh, Ninth and Colorado. It's, a, it's an important thing to do because we aren't gonna build these kind of communities again so close to downtown and we need to preserve what we have. Amanda, you have one minute to answer the same question. Well, thanks so much. Um, you know, historic preservation is a very um, interesting and exciting tool. Um, we have a lot of different options that we can use in District 5, and we're going to need to use them because of the adoption of the Denverite plan, um, which goes to, um, which says that you need to look to neighborhood plans, gets away from um, communities of, or areas of stability and areas of change. Um, and that's, you know, a problem because many of the neighborhoods in District 5 don't have neighborhood plans and aren't slated to have neighborhood plans for potentially another five to ten years. Um, so we're going to need to start talking about different tools like adaptive reuse up on Colfax, um, potentially of some of those uh, motels to become affordable housing. We're going to have to look at maybe historic overlays um, and you know the new cultural land ordinance might be appropriate conservation overlays. These are all tools that we are going to need to look into in order to help preserve the special area that is District 5 in our community. Thank Next you. question, we're gonna start with Amanda on this one. How would you respond to the following statement? Rezoning in Denver has become nothing more than a pass to circumvent the city's zoning code. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think that, you know, a lot of people, I've been to over 10,000 doors, and I think that, um, you know, the thing that I hear the most is that it's just a rubber stamp. The zoning process is a rubber stamp um, to get through, and that's a problem that needs to change. And it's, a, I think, starts at the planning board level because I don't know if most people know, but the planning board can't take into consideration the areas and the neighborhoods surrounding um, the, the parcel of property that is up for rezoning. Um, so this is, this is a problem because if you're not taking into account the traffic, you're not taking into account safety considerations, you're not looking at whether there are um, sidewalks or bike lanes or other areas of transportation, um, 
then that means that you're not necessarily making uh, a good informed decision about whether um, a rezoning is appropriate and whether that development should be there. And we need to have those conversations to make sure that we are being thoughtful about development moving forward. Same question for Mary Beth. Uh, Amanda, I know you haven't been here for very long, but taking into account the character of the surrounding neighborhood is one of the main characteristics that planning board looks at before they will allow a rezoning. Uh, the rezoning process is very complex and it starts with developers even coming to the council person, would you be interested in this? I have turned down more developer interests than you can, than I can count on two, three, five, six hands. They, uh, the process requires a great deal of work on the part of the uh, developer, on the part of the uh, CPD, the planning department. It has uh, categories that it must, it must follow and it must meet before it goes to the planning board. Certainly the consideration of the neighborhood character is one of the most significant things that are, are considered in a rezoning process. Our next question, we're going to start with Mary Beth this time. Some citizens have complained that city government has not listened to their voice before, during, and after adoption of Denver Right. What will you do to reach out to neighborhood leaders going forward to engage their voice in citywide decisions that affect their members? Well, we've already done that a great deal with the East Area Plan. Um, we have uh, gotten all sorts of neighborhood uh, neighbors involved in the East Area Plan. The Denver Right Plan had 25,000 contacts with people around the city. It had multiple neighbors who gave up their time to spend on the all of the pieces of uh, Denverite. And I am so honored that we had these volunteers to give up so much of their time. Two and a half years, I can't tell you how many meetings they had to work on the Denverite plan. It is a plan that was made by the community and I feel like it is an important statement that was made by many of the people in, uh, in Denver. And we're going to continue that as we have been doing with the East Area Plan and with the other neighborhood planning initiatives that are going on. Same question for Amanda. Can you repeat the question one more time? Some citizens have complained that city government has not listened to their voice before, during, and after adoption of Denver Right. What will you do to reach out to neighborhood leaders going forward to engage their voice in citywide decisions that affect their members? Thank you. Um, I just want to make sure that I had that right. So, yeah, I think what's really important and what doesn't happen uh, in a lot of cases and what is sort of creates this feeling of the people in the community not being, feeling like their voices are heard, is that um, the city does not necessarily do a great job of outreach. We've got to go to where the people are. And that means, you know, we've got to potentially provide babysitting services for meetings, food, translation services. We've got to go out and knock doors if that is what it's going to take to get people in the community involved. We have got to, um, you know, work with a broad range of people, maybe go into apartment buildings um, and 
have conversations with the people who live in those apartment buildings in their common areas because people are busy. People have a lot going on. They have a lot um, that they are really trying hard to, to, uh, to process. And what we need to do is make it simple for them or they will not participate in the community. That brings us to the final round of our submitted questions for Council District 5. And we're going to begin with Amanda on this one. In the 1980s and 90s, we were worried about suburban growth. The big question was, where will we get the water for all these new people? There are twice as many people in the state now as there were then. Given the unpredictability of winter storms that fuel our water system, how can we guarantee current and future Denver citizens will have enough water? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a, it's a real problem in the entire state of Colorado. Um, and the way that we are going to have to um, you know, manage this water shortage that is coming is by making sure that we're making good choices, design choices. Um, we've got to talk about potentially, you know, design requirements or water requirements restrictions. Um, you know, as people are are redesigning their homes, or as um, you know, we are looking at different at different. Um, community design options, we need to look at different plants that might make more sense, um, that might work better with less water and, and fit the, the area that we have in the city of Denver and the, and the arid climate that we have. Um, so there's a lot that we need to look at in order to make sure that we are thoughtfully planning our city moving forward because we are going to have a major problem with water, especially if, as estimated, 200,000 more people are going to come here in the next 10 years. Same question, Mary Beth. Well, uh, having been here for a very long time and knowing a little bit about water, I would recommend the book called A Ditch in Time by Patty Limerick, which I was asked to review, which is a history of Denver water. Denver water is the group that takes care of our water, not the, the city of Denver. It's not a council uh, uh, um, jurisdiction. Denver water was so smart when it got formed that Denver is in great shape for its water. Um, I might be worried about the suburbs if I was a city council person in the suburbs, but if I recommend that you read this book to find out how well we preserved and created our reservoirs and created our dams and, and how we have protected our water source here in Denver for any of the near future that you can imagine and any kind of sort of uh, climate things barring disaster. Um, I am very confident about how, what Denver Water has been able to do to preserve our water supply. The next round is going to be the candidates uh, turn to ask each other a direct mm -hmm. question and you'll each have 60 minutes to respond to the question. 60 minutes? 60 I minutes. mean 60 yeah. seconds. All we'll right. be here forever. Woo, All right. be a long night. So, all right, so we're going to return to ballot order and uh, begin with Amanda. Okay. Mary Beth, you've had eight years to improve transit mobility and pedestrian safety in our neighborhoods, yet congestion is worse than ever and many kids still can't get to school safely. Have you given voters any reason to expect different in the next four years? I've worked for eight years on transit mobility. You're absolutely right. I can, I can probably, I've put new walk uh, lights in our district that no other, no other districts have. I have new stop signs. I have new lights. I have new pedestrian crossings. I have the uh, the uh, that flashing solar light at Holly and Cedar and on uh, uh, um, the 
Highline Canal crossing. There are so many changes done in my, in my district because of the work that I did. I just recently bought six of those uh, speed signs that were at $6,000 each using my own city budget to give to our police department to put around on those streets that have some of the most knucklehead driving speeders that we have. So I do at probably every single day work on things that are happening in traffic in our, uh, in our um, district and for the safety of kids and adults and everybody who Time is, is up. around there. Mary Beth, do you have a question for Amanda? I do. Amanda, in the three years you've lived here, what leadership positions have you been elected to or appointed to in your neighborhood association, and what was your biggest accomplishment? You know, that's it's a great question um, because, as you know, I never meant to, and as I said in my opening statement, I never planned to go into politics. This was not something that I had ever um, anticipated that I would do, and it wasn't until I really found out about the depth of the um, frustration in the community and some of the things that were going on um, and the, the frustration of the people who feel like they're not being listened to in our community um, that I, I launched into this with my heart and soul. So my family has put so much um, of ourselves on the line to, you know, time with our kids and, and um, you know, our, our so many different things we have sacrificed in order to do this because I believe in this so strongly and so passionately because it is too important not to participate in this. Amanda, do you have another question for Mary Beth? I do. Um, the brown cloud is back over the city of Denver. You've claimed to be an advocate for the environment, but you haven't planned, uh, pledged to ban fracking within the city of county of, and county of Denver. Would you join me in the pledge that I have taken to ban fracking in our city and county limits? Well, that wouldn't be true because I've already said that I would not like fracking in the Denver city limits. Um, and as far as the brown cloud goes, yes, we are working very hard to uh, produce some of the most ecologically friendly kinds of developments that we have in the city. I led the city council on the Green Roofs Project so that we could make environmentally friendly buildings that, you, that, that use as little of the uh, uh, energy fossil fuels that we can provide. And I'm very proud of that accomplishment. All right, Mary Beth, you're up with a question now for Amanda. Amanda, um, in the last debate, you said we needed a dedicated source of funding for transit and mobility financed with fees. The only truly dedicated revenue stream is with a tax approved by the voters. With our effective sales rate of about 8.31% and some of the highest property taxes in the metro area, what other tax did you have in mind for this dedicated revenue for transit? Um, well, like I said in our last debate, uh, we do not have in the city of Denver a dedicated source of funding for transit and mobility infrastructure. And that's a major problem because we rely on the annual budget of the city to um, do anything when it comes to transit and mobility or, you know, like Councilwoman Sussman just said, um, you know, she pays for things out of out of her council budget. Um, and that's a problem. So we need to look to identify a lot of different ways um, that things could be used, that, uh, that money could be used. I personally um, think that 
you know, we talked about potentially putting, assessing a fee on Uber and Lyft and Lime and Bird. Those are public companies, pr private companies, sorry, using our public rights of way for private gain. Um, and so we need to, you know, look at a lot of different ways. That was one suggested potential way. Um, there are others. And, um, you know, it's something that has got to happen. It is drastically important that we find a dedicated source of funding for mobility and transit infrastructure. Thank you. All right, we'll keep going with these. Do you have another question for Mary Beth? I do. In the past nine months, you voted in favor of the Green Flats project and in favor of safe, for safe injection sites, even though the vast majority of the neighbors in District 5 were opposed. These are just a couple of examples. Why have many of your votes failed to reflect the desire of your constituents? I disagree that the uh, Green Flats uh, vote was against the neighborhood. In fact, the neighborhood in which that Green Flats project resides was in favor of that project and worked That's not true. I'm diligently, in that neighborhood and I worked diligently to create an agreement with that developer that got them uh, features that zoning would never have required to have a limit on the number of uh, cap on the number of units, 50% more parking, 60 foot setbacks, and a 17 foot wall. Uh, when that went down in defeat, my, my hilltop neighborhood was just devastated that they had worked so hard for that project. Now we have that project going back up for sale, and there will be no cap on the on the number of units. There will be no requirement for the parking, there will be no special setbacks, and that is why I voted for the Green Flats project. All right, we're going to continue with this. Amanda, you're up with your question for Mary Beth. It's Mary no, it's oh. Mary Beth's turn. It's Mary, Beth. um, it's Mary Beth's turn. You are okay. correct. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. Uh, I was wondering how, uh, whether you know anything about the city budget. Do you know what the three largest line items are in the city budget? Uh, well, I know one is staff. Um, the other two, I don't. I'm not sure. You know, it's a 600-page document, and I've read um, a lot of it, but it gets kind of tricky to get through all of it. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what you're asking and trying to point out with this question is that I don't have the experience that you have when it comes to budgeting, and, and you're right. I don't. Because, like I said, I am not a politician. This was not my original dream or my original plan. And I really look forward to getting in there and learning that kind of stuff um, and figuring out the specifics because that is what makes the city tick. And we, you know, I've got the, the business background and the legal background to be able to do the job. But yeah, I mean, I can't stand here and tell you that I know all of the specifics of the budget because I don't but I am willing to learn, I am willing to work hard, and I am willing to represent the voice of the people in our community, and that's why I'm here. All right, we have another question from Amanda. As of the most recent campaign finance reports, we estimate conservatively that you've taken over $64,000 in contributions from developers, 46,000 in the current election cycle. What would you say to someone who claims that you cannot remain impartial in your role as council person, given that you have such established financial ties to big development? I'm going to quote one of the most famous quotes given by a California state senator to a young senator that came on, who was worried about voting against somebody who had donated to him. He said, son, and I'm going to clean this up a little, if you can't 
drink, take their money, drink their booze, eat their food, and still vote against them, then you don't belong up here, Sonny. Um, uh, there have been more development projects that I have voted against than four in my, in my district. I voted against the 9th and Colorado Walmart. I voted against the, uh, the church on uh, Monaco and Cedar. I voted against that regardless of what people think I did. I voted against the church at 50 South Colorado Boulevard until that developer worked with the neighbors and they got the project that they wanted. I get about oh, two or three developers coming to my office every year asking to, about my interest in, in I'm going to stop you there on that, Mary Beth. Okay. We have time for one more question if you have one for Amanda. Um, uh, yes, I do. You had said you were going to maybe do fees on Lyft and Uber. How would you possibly do fees on Lyft and Uber and not maybe do fees on the grocery trucks that use our infrastructure or the bakery trucks that use our infrastructure or the food trucks that use our infrastructure or all of the other businesses which use our infrastructure? How would you choose out these two private companies to create a fee for? I'm not sure that I would. I thought that's what you said. No, what I said was that it was one, those, that those were two examples of private companies that were using our public rights of way for private gain, and that that's something that we could consider. That's what I said. All right. Now you guys have your closing statements. You're each going to get a minute and a half, and we're going to reverse the order from the opening statements, which means we will begin with Mary Beth. Thank you. Thank you, Channel 8, and all the time you took to uh, everybody here to be here tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to contrast my views with my opponent. I've dedicated my life to the betterment of East Denver. I led the advisory board that planned Lowry neighborhood. I was appointed to the uh, Denver Planning Board. I served on the Colorado Health Care District. Elections, elections are about choices. I am the only candidate in the race for District 5 with a demonstrated record of accomplishments in East Denver. And I hope that I have your vote for the next year, uh, four years. I am the only candidate in this race who has held multiple leadership positions with neighborhood groups and advisory organizations. I am the only candidate in this race with a resume of civic leadership adequate to continue to get things done for my East Denver neighborhood. Again, my name is Mary Beth Sussman. I would be honored to have your vote. Thank you. Closing statement now from Amanda Sawyer. Thank you again for your time, everyone who is here this evening. Like I said, I am not a career politician, uh, but I am running to be the change that we want to see in our community. The decision is in the voters' hands. We can continue down the same path we've been headed down for eight years, which has left us with a lack of affordable housing, fewer transit options, and the feeling that our leadership isn't listening to us. Or we can chart a new course, find a new path forward with new leadership. Like you, I truly believe that we need a city that works for everyone, not just big developers and well-connected politicians. At this point in our campaign, we have knocked over 10,000 doors and had conversations with residents in every neighborhood of District 5. And we hear the same thing no matter what neighborhood we're in. People want a representative that is accountable, that is present, and that listens. The voters spoke on May 7th, and over 60% of them said that they are ready for a change in District 5. I will do my best to lift up the voices in our neighborhoods, to solve problems and get things done. It's time for a fresh set of eyes on the issues that face our community.
My name is Amanda Sawyer, and I ask for you to vote for me as your new Denver City Council District 5 representative by June 4th. Thank you. Well, that wraps our runoff forum for candidates vying to represent District 5. Let's thank them, Mary Beth Sussman and Amanda Sawyer. Our thanks also to the Denver Decides partners, which include Interneighborhood Cooperation, the League of Women Voters of Denver, and Historic Denver. Denver Decides is presented by Denver 8 TV. Also, we want to extend our thanks to the staff and management of the Denver Art Museum and Christy Bessiner, the Director of Communications and Public Affairs, for providing this location for our runoff forums. We hope we've given you a fair look at each candidate vying to represent District 5 on Denver. Denver City Council. Be sure your votes are returned. Your ballot is returned by 7 p.m. on Tuesday, June 4th. For complete election information, go online to denverdecides.org. I'm Wendy Brockman. Thanks for watching.